Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning. So wonderful to be back here in this uh, hall with all of you. We had a tremendous time on Friday night. We had a wonderful time yesterday. And we want to give God all the glory for what He has already begun to do. I've, I've only just plugged into what He has already started. And it's just been so exciting and so encouraging to hear the feedback that is pouring back in. And so continue to just be those occupiers. If those who understand, say amen. Those who don't understand, um, don't worry, we will help you with that in a while, um, that you will continue to be awakened, aligned, and also assigned. Uh, let me just say my thank you again to Pastor Mark and Pastor Terry. Thank you for this invitation, um, not just only for myself, but also hosting the entire team occupants here uh, over the weekend. You've been such a blessing, and we've just really enjoyed ourselves. Uh, Leiling had a word from the Lord as we prayed for this time in Guam, and the word was feasting, and man, we had been feasting. <laughs> we've been eating Jamaican and you know, all the different types, American, Mexican, and you name it. You know? And we are Singaporeans, we eat anything. So thank you for that wonderful, for that wonderful time. Uh, we'll be leaving uh, first thing tomorrow morning. And I know our, part of our hearts uh, will be here in Guam with all of you. And we pray that God willing, who knows, you know, the Lord will lead us to partner once more uh, sometime in the future. Uh, I'm really thankful my parents are here. They're here so that they make sure I don't misbehave. <laughs> and so far, I think it's been okay. I think, Pastor Mark, <laughs> yeah, you can complain to them. Uh, well, greetings from Singapore, and I love it because when we come into different or we move into different churches and congregations, we may be unfamiliar with one another, but really we are the family of God. And we are brothers and we are sisters, and I always do this as a tradition or a custom for myself, that I love to share my family with you first. So if you allow me, I would like to introduce my wife to you. She's not here, and this is Serene, and incidentally, we've also been married 23 years. Um, <laughs> I love my wife, and I'm just thankful that the Lord allowed us to come together, uh, and the way that He has led us is nothing short of miraculous, it's always by His grace. We did nothing to deserve anything that He has bestowed upon us, and we want to give Him all thanks. I'm not going to talk about myself, I'll talk about my wife. Let me boast about four things about her. Let me tell you four things about her, uh, which is a nice conversation starter. Uh, four things that Serene never wanted in her life. Number one, she didn't want to be a Christian. And then she met Jesus. And so she gave her life to Jesus. I was a terrible evangelist. I did nothing to share the good news with her because I was backslidden at that point in time. But the Lord knew and the Lord drew her and she didn't want to be a Christian. She became a Christian. Number two, she didn't want to get married. She met me. Number three, she was very resolved. She said, I, did not, I don't want to have children ever in my life. <laughs> Today, this is our family. The Lord has blessed us with seven lovely children. Yeah. Give God all the praise and glory because many times when people look at this picture, the first question is, how do you manage? And we say, we don't. <laughs> That's the truth. Uh, do you have a helper? Yes, Holy Spirit. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, anyway, we've got two boys with five girls. If I share everything about them, my 30 minutes will be up. The fourth thing she said, I never want to be, I, don't, I never want to stay at home and not be, a, I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom. 
for the last 15 years, she's been a homeschool mother. And the Lord just convicted her, convicted myself, and we took the route of homeschooling. And all our children are schooled in home. So when you know Jesus and you want to obey Him, never say never. <laughs> God can take your life and turn it upside down. But that's the best thing that can ever happen to you. Amen. I bring you greetings also from Our Keeper's Awakening, the ministry that um, the Lord has given me this grace to found uh, about four and a half years ago. And we shared a lot about it last um, yesterday and the day before, so I won't talk too much about it. But truly, it is an 11th hour. I think if you look at the clock down there, it's about synchronized with your clock down here now. It must be Guam time. <laughs> it's an 11th hour message. The Lord says to awaken His people so that they may know and fulfill your God-given kingdom assignments. We have three words that are important to us, to be awakened, to be aligned, and also to be assigned. I don't want to take too much time about this, but um, we screened a video yesterday. I thought that video would be the best example, uh, best illustration to share with you um, what an archipus is all about. What does he or she stand for if he and she became, becomes awakened, aligned, and assigned to the purposes of God? And so we just sit back, just about two and a half minutes, and you get a good introduction to Archipus Awakening. I am Archippus. I may be almost anonymous, but I'm fully known by name, and I found grace in God's sight. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, created in His image, saved and called according to His purpose and grace. I am aware of the signs and urgency of the times. The days are evil and the time is short. I will not live as one who is apathetic, but will walk wisely and circumspectly, filled with the Spirit, knowing His Word, understanding the will of the Lord, making the most of every opportunity and participating in the advancement of His Kingdom. I will always determine to know my God-given kingdom assignment in every season, that I may be faithful to fulfill it in my area of influence. I will discern between Christian activity and kingdom assignment, appreciating that busyness does not necessarily mean fruitfulness. I will not be distracted by anything that will cause me to miss my assignment, that which has already been prepared for me beforehand. I am anything but aimless. I will be clear and focused on what the Lord has assigned to me. Each day is filled with purpose and adventure, journeying with and relying wholly on Jesus. For apart from Him, I will not be fruitful. Thus I shall run the race with certainty and resolve, with perseverance and endurance, looking to the prize I shall receive when I one day stand before my Lord and judge Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be an archivist, and I gladly join the ranks of others who, like me, desire to please my master and to hear the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Our readiness is determined by our faithfulness. We will gather to encourage, exhort, and edify one another. We will train and run together, spurring each other on, laying aside every weight and sin, eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I am Archippus. 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 Archippus.
aligned assigned. Amen. That's just a quick introduction about our Keepers Awakening. And if you'd like to know more, follow us or just pray for us. Uh, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, of course. And if you are going to be um, sharing your pictures on social media, you can hashtag iMarkeepers. And when your friends ask you, what is this all about? You have an opportunity to share uh, with him or with her. If you turn your Bibles with me, uh, we're going to go to Ephesians this morning. The book of Ephesians in the New Testament, chapter 5. And we will read from verse 15 to verse um, 17. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to verse 17. I'll read from the New King James Version, and then we will pray and then get into the word of the Lord. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Father, I want to thank you for your word, Lord. And Lord, I'm just so thankful. It's not just words ink printed on a page, Lord, for us to read. You say that your words are life and truth and spirit. And so I pray, Lord, as I take this word this morning, will you enable your servant to declare this faithfully, Lord? Will you write upon these words, Holy Spirit, so you will go forth into the hearts of your people and not return to you void? I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, that you will receive all glory and all praise as we continue to worship you as we declare your word. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I've entitled this morning's message, The Walk of the Wives. Inspired by Paul's words in the very first verse, that we are to walk not as fools, but as wives. And I love the Bible because every time when God gives something, He gives us a reason. He gives us an explanation. It's always a context that He will give to us. He does not just tell us to do something and not give us an understanding why we are to do it. And of course, He can tell us to do something. He's not obliged to tell us any other reason because He is God and He knows the best. But I know that He also comes down to our level by His grace so that we understand, so that we can also respond with, to Him. Paul says, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time. Why? Because, because the days are evil. And that one line has to leap out at us first. We have to look at this one phrase and ask ourselves, do we believe that we live in days that are evil? Sometimes it's not as apparent to us. Sometimes it's not as obvious to us because it's so easy to be distracted by the cares of this world, to be distracted with the things that we are occupied with and the days go by and we don't realize that actually instead of things that are improving and we do see like technology and quality of life improving, but we are seeing other things sliding at an accelerating scale. The days are evil. Paul wrote this nearly 2,000 years ago. If the days were evil in his time, I believe things have become a lot more challenging for all of us. The question is, are our eyes seeing what the Lord wants us to see? Our ears hearing what He's actually saying to us? I can raise many issues for us to consider, but just consider even in a post-9-11 world, terrorism has become a part of life, isn't it? 
If we are so concerned and so careful, people are living in fear, and we are, we are not sure how to respond to this. And is, is this even one part of what's happening that will lead up to something that is much bigger that will run out of control for all of us? We see around the world that there's a crisis in leadership. We are lacking good leaders. And I'm not talking just good leaders to make money. We are lacking godly leaders in places of government. We are looking at marriage and divorce. And we are seeing that marriage is under a tremendous attack. Divorce rates have gone up all over the place. Sexual immorality is a big issue everyone is grappling with at all levels. And I suggest to you and submit to you that the church is not exempt from this either. So many other issues. You look at this. Why? Paul already said this to his Timothy, and he said that, look, in the last days, there will be perilous times because men will be lovers of themselves. Men will be lovers of pleasure. They will be always looking for a good time. They want to be enjoying this life because they understand that life is short. The problem is they don't understand that life does not just end here. We have eternity to consider. Lovers of pleasure, and we'll always be eating and drinking. You know, in Singapore, if you come, lots to eat. And I realize Guam too. <laughs> and it's always a focus about eating and drinking. And if you remember the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, he says, As the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, how was the days of how were the days of Noah? For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking. Hello? I'm fasting for lunch today. <laughs> they were eating and drinking, and then you know what happened. Boom! The days were evil, as in the days of Noah, things were happening. Perhaps the greatest challenge that's coming against the church today, the people of God, is the idea of truth. Or can I suggest again, maybe reword it to say, that truth is also under attack. Since Trump came into administration, there was a word of the year by Oxford Dictionary in the year 2017, and the word of the year was post-truth. And the word post-truth, post usually means after. And even the word post, which used to mean after, has evolved into meaning not relevant. And so we are living in a post-truth era that tells you truth is no longer relevant. Just go by your feel. Uh, follow your heart. And sometimes we even hear that being preached on certain pulpits. And that's a, bad, that's a bad advice, I can tell you, because the last I read my Bible, it says that your heart is deceitful above all else. And if you want to follow something that is deceitful, that's bad news. If your heart is only inclined to the things of pleasure and the things of self, don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus and let Jesus lead your heart. Wisdom is needed today. Of all times, wisdom is needed today. And that's why Paul opens this and he says, See then that you walk circumspectly. Walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Walk circumspectly. In some translations, it says walk carefully. If you make a word study of this word circumspectly, it comes from a Greek word that says akribos. The different words that we can use to translate this is exactly, diligently, perfectly, and get this one, most straightestly. I know that's bad English. 
But can you see and can you hear the double emphasis? Don't just walk straight. Walk the straightest. Not just the straightest, but the most straightest. If God wants to make a point, He makes a point. We are to walk most straightestly. In other words, be careful. Why? Because you are going to have choices to make. Today, it's not just A or B. In our consumeristic world, you have A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And all the way, you've got so much choice or so many choices that you can pick from, it can confuse you. And you have to be careful. The interesting thing about this word acrobos is that it comes from a root word, acros, which means the furthest point. Friends, if you want to walk straight and there are many things that are distracting you, what would you do? You will pick a point up there in front. You keep your eyes there and you start to walk there. And even if, if you should veer, or in our keeper's language we say, if you are misaligned a little bit, once you keep your eyes fixed upon that furthest point, you know you can correct yourself. Amen? And so if you want to walk the most straightestly, and you know it's a challenge for each and every one of us even to struggle on a day-to-day basis. We make mistakes, we veer, we get out of alignment. But if your eyes can be fixed on the furthest point, and I want to ask you, my friends and my brothers and my sisters, what's your furthest point? Is your furthest point meeting Jesus? Is your furthest point eternity? Is your furthest point the time when you see Jesus face to face? I think that's a good furthest point. You keep your eyes there and you still take it one day at a time. But at least you know that that's what you're aiming for. And as you consider the circumstances and the certain consequences, you can walk circumspectly. Paul says, as you do this, as you want to be careful, be careful, walk not as fools, but as wise. Wisdom is needed. We don't want to be foolish people. We want to be wise people. And so for the rest of this time, I want to share with you perhaps a little checklist See, sometimes it's easy to listen to a message and you go, yep, I agree with you. Amen, you've got to be wise. <laughs> but then you go out and you go, but how do you do that? <laughs> what, what does it mean? You know, I, I think I'm quite smart. You know, I, I, I think I can do this. Let me give you a checklist. Simple, just a few points. And I want to challenge you, maybe on a scale of 1 to 10, if you're taking notes or make a mental note for yourself. 10 being the, the, that you're wise, you're walking most wisely. Okay, and one, you're walking perhaps not as wisely. I don't want to use the word foolishly on you. A guest speaker got to be careful. <laughs> I want you to love me after this too. All right, so uh, uh, one to ten, one would be the most unwise, and ten would be the wisest, right? The Bible says in Psalm 53 verse 1, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Oh, I know all of you are going, phew. My heart says there's a God, I'm not a fool. Your heart can declare that there's a God. My question is, is God ruling your heart? And for many people in the church, Christians, you know, it's easy just to come to church and think that, yes, I believe that there's a God. That's a good start, friends. But God is only operative or operational on a Sunday. And from Monday to Saturday, He's nowhere in your life. Then you must be careful. You you might be misaligning from what is wise, and you might be moving unwise without you even understanding it. You see, if you declare that there is a God, then you will want to live according to His Word. 
Because the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you want wisdom, first you've got to acknowledge there's a God, and as you fear, revere, honor Him, lift Him high, you want to lift the best way that will bring Him glory. And biblical wisdom is not how many A's you score or if you get a GPA score, of a perfect score. That's not biblical wisdom. You can be academically uh, a smart and astute, but when it comes to biblical things, I have seen so many academic people still fail in life. Biblical wisdom is knowing how to take God's word as it is and making wise and godly decisions based on that. And so if you're ready, are you ready for the checklist? Checklist point number one. Let's look at the word foundation. Matthew chapter, 20, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. I won't read the entire passage for the interest of time. But I want to presume that you know that this is the last parable or a closing illustration that Jesus gave after he finished preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He said many things. He was like, this is the longest sermon. If you, if you do a sermon series, it can take you quite a while to get through that. And he says, whoever hears the saying of mine and does them are like him to be a wise man. And then he says, the floods will come, the rains will come, the winds will come, and this guy is going to stand. And then he says that, you know, if you hear these sayings of mine, uh, but does not do them, then I'll like him to be, to be like a foolish man. And then the winds will come, the rains will come, the floods will come. And then th this house will fall, but great it's, well, was its fall. My question for us today is, as we look at this foundation, what is your foundation? What are you building on? I know it's almost instinctively, naturally, it's very easy to sing, you know, my foundation is Jesus Christ. And he's a rock. I said, I know. I say amen to that. But if you look at this context, Jesus wasn't referring to that. You have to look at this part. After you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, are you building wisely upon what he has already secured for you? And Jesus gave, a, it's very, very clear. He says, those who hears, the, the, the one who hears this, uh, my, my teachings, godly teachings, biblical teachings, and this is the one who does them, this is the wise one. But the one who hears it but does not do anything about it, this is the foolish one. And so if we know the word, if we do even Bible study and we can quote it from back to front, praise the Lord, good start again. But if we don't lift that out, we are not wise. Oh, that's painful. I know a lot in Singapore who struggle with this. Do you have the same struggle here? You know, James says, you know, the one who hears the word but it's not a doer of the word. He deceives himself. I look at that one line one day and I realize, oh dear, if Satan, our adversary and our enemy is called the great deceiver, I don't want to do his job for him. If I know the word and I don't live this out, and I don't keep the word of God, I deceive myself and I am doing Satan a big favor. Man, I want to give him trouble. I don't want him to deceive me, and I don't want to deceive myself. And if I'm deceiving myself, Satan stands one side, he doesn't have to lift one finger, and he says, go, bro. You do good. You're doing good because you're doing nothing. What's your foundation? You see, Jesus is saying, if you hear the words, and this morning, all of us here, we are hearers of the word, Amen. The question is, when we leave this place, will we live the word? 
Well, we heed the word. And if we would do that, we would be considered wise. And the test will not come almost immediately because the rains and the winds and the floods will come separately at different times. And it will test how wise or how unwise you have been. Checklist point number two. Since we're talking about wisdom, of course, that word wisdom has to come out. And I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. There's that word again. Wow, it's scary, right? That we can deceive ourselves and not even realize it. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. There are many passages and verses in the Bible when I read, I go, huh? What are you saying, Lord? I mean, can you just speak in plain Singapore English? <laughs> if any among you seem to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. See, Paul is really saying this. Don't be wise in the ways of the world. Don't be street smart in a way that the world is street smart. Not that, you know, you, 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 might to, you have to be wise as serpents to be able to deal with them, but don't go the way of the world. The wisdom of the world is not the wisdom of God. And if you want to be, if you are wise in the ways of the world, I'd rather you become foolish in the ways of the world so that you can become wise in the ways of God. The kingdom of God is always upside down. And whenever you're going too much with the flow, that's already a good clue and a good hint that perhaps you might be straying from the things of God. If you are into self-promotion, self-preservation, if you're all about getting ahead, you know, trying to accumulate as many things as you can, even getting into debt so that you can buy things with money that you don't have. If your focus is always about prosperity, about being first, about personal happiness, if it's about the I, me, myself, perhaps, just perhaps, worldly wisdom. James says it always in a much tougher way. I think James must have been a very frustrated man when he wrote this book. He says, don't you know that this, the wisdom of the world is earthly, essential, it plays on your feelings and your senses. And the third word, it's demonic. It's demonic. And sometimes we are dabbling with the demonic and passing it off as God-ordained. It's earthly, it's sensual, and it's demonic. Why? Because it's envious, it's self-seeking. It will, you'll, you'll cause you to fight amongst one, one another within even the church. But if you want godly wisdom, can I tell you, the world will look at godly wisdom and they say, that's stupid. That's foolish. That is upside down. And that's why Paul says, even God's foolishness is wiser than the wisdom of man. And God chose the cross and put Jesus upon the cross, a God who comes to save us, who has to die at the hand of men. And the world looks at it and says, what kind of a God do you serve? I say, I serve a great God. He came and he sacrificed and he died. He said, oh, that's stupid. I said, praise the Lord. I'm happy to be stupid. <laughs> See, be fools in the ways of the world so that we can be wise in the things of God. And God will challenge you, will you sacrifice? God will challenge you, will you come in a point of weakness? The Lord will ask you, will you just be humble in this place? You want to be first, then you'll be last. 
If you want to seek the things that will be good for you, deny yourself and seek the things that are the things of the kingdom. Take up the cross. Be prepared to die. Forgive. Oh, that's a painful one. Excuse me? Forgive? Hello? They all laugh at me. I'm being weak. I'm being stupid. Yeah. Paul says, I'd rather be a fool for Christ anytime. Are you wise in the ways of the world? If you are, you're a fool where the world is concerned. But be wise in the things of God. Checkpoint number three, let's move on. And I give you the word treasures. A, a little lead off from, from what I've already been sharing with you. What kind of a treasure are you laying up? In Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 21. Someone came up to Jesus and he asked, tell my brother to divide this inheritance with me. Jesus answered him, man, who made you a judge or who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And then he speaks a parable to this person and everyone was listening. Talk about uh, like the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. He thought to himself, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns. I'll build greater. And then I'll store all my crops and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid out for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink. There you go again. Eat and drink. Eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20. But God said to him, full. Full. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Can I just say something here? This verse is not about insurance or writing a will. Jesus was not saying, please make a will so that someone else can have it. He says, for so is he, i.e. a fool, who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Do you find yourself accumulating material wealth? Do you find yourself working so that you can have the next thing and the next thing and the next thing? And sometimes it's not that God will not bless us materially, but if we see that material prosperity is the only indication of God's blessing, you please be careful. I've got nothing wrong with riches. And God can bless you with as much as He desires, and you can have much as you want with the favor of God. But if that becomes your preoccupation, you're on dangerous ground. You've begun, you begun to slide from being wise in the things of God to being unwise and not being circumspect. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so as much as we have to work hard and to, of course, provide for our families, we must trust that God is the one who provides our every need. And that our preoccupation is not just to heap up as responsibly as we like to do it for our next generation or next generations, we have to trust that God will always be there for us. Our focus must be to lay up treasures in heaven. And you have to go study for yourself, what does that really mean? Interestingly, God says to the young, rich young ruler, right? He says, give everything, sell everything and give your arms to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. And so many people will think, okay, good, I'll just do some good charity work. In the meantime, I'll still have a lot of money, thank you. I'll do some, a little bit of good charity work and, and I've got treasures in heaven. Well, that's only one part of it. Today, I realized what Jesus was really saying. You want treasures in heaven? Okay, you give this away. Because anything, and after that, you follow me. 
anything that keeps you from following me is a big problem. So it may be treasures, it may be relationship, it may be something else. I don't know what it is for you. You want to lay up treasures in heaven? Follow Jesus and do what Jesus tells you to do. That's what it is. It's faithfulness that our Lord is looking for. And finally, I'll give you a point number four. Readiness would be that word. We've already touched a little bit about this yesterday in some detail. But if you remember the parable that Jesus told after talking about the signs of the times and the coming of the Son of Man, in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 to 13, there was a parable of the ten virgins. Five of them were wise, and five of them were foolish. And the foolish ones had no oils in their lamps. They were not ready. They were not prepared. They were thinking, oh, no worries, you know, when we see the bridegroom come, no, we, we just go out to the, the hardware store, the convenience store, and we'll pick up some oil, then it'll be cool. But they didn't have time for that. It was just, they were, their readiness was not correct. Their understanding of readiness was also wrong. And I think we've spent quite a bit of time on this, and I'm saying that, do we have an understanding of the signs of the times? You see, if we have to walk circumspectly, then we must be wise to the signs of the times. We have to see how much time left do we have. We have to see whether we are preparing ourselves correctly to meet with the Lord. What is the furthest point that you are putting your eyes on? Are your eyes fixed upon really Jesus that you're heading towards? And if you are, you always want to be ready for you to either to go to Him or He to come to you. But at the right time, it's going to happen. Are you ready? And this is part of the message and the passion of our keeper's awakening that the Lord has stirred upon our hearts to declare to the churches and to the saints. He says, my people are asleep. They are not ready. And that's why by my grace, because I love them, I want everyone to be ready. Go tell them, wake up so that they can know and they can fulfill what I've given them to do. Because servants who are faithful will be ready to welcome the master. Are we ready? Four little points. Four little points. If we look at your foundation, if you, if you are not even moving on the things of God, that foundation is going to be weak. If you want to move on it, you're going to realize that you're going to look like a fool to the world, but you're going to be wise in the things of God. As you move on that, you're laying up treasures, not on earth, but you're laying up treasures that is up in heaven. And if you remember and agree with me that it is about faithfulness, then faithfulness will determine your readiness. How did you fare on scale 1 to 10? If you'll submit the numbers to Pastor Mark, you will have a good indication. <laughs> and we do, a, you know, like a little means testing, right? Yeah. Are you walking as wise? Or are you not walking as wise? Let me close with the final words of Paul in this passage. He says, redeem the time. Redeem the time because the days... Are evil. I told you that Singaporeans are very, very busy people. We're always rushing around. That's why they call us Russians instead of Singaporeans. <laughs> and one day I was crying out to the Lord and said, Lord, give me more time. I need more time. And there's just so much to do in the work of the kingdom. Yes? Sounds really good. Sounds really spiritual. Sounds really on fire for Jesus. Lord, give me more time. And he said, you don't need more time. If I give you one more hour, you'll waste it anyway. And I went to study this word again, and I read, redeem the time. And every time we say redeem the time, we say, Lord, give me more time. Then I look at the Greek, it's not chronos, it's kairos. 
The word chronos is about the length of time, the amount of time. So I thought redeem the time means I want to buy back more time. God says, no, you don't need more time. If I give you more time, you're wasted. I made the world perfect. I did 24 hours. That's all you need. If you tell me you need more time, you're saying that I didn't create the world correct. 24 hours is all you need. What you need to redeem is a kairos. You see, foolish people or people who do not walk wise miss the kairos and the opportunity of God. But if you're wise to the things of God and you're wise and to, to hear the voice of God, opportunities will come and you will know how to take advantage of that. And that's why Paul says, if you move from being unwise to being wise, in God, all things can be redeemed. And if you have missed any opportunity in your life, if you say, Lord, I walk wise with you right now, God will redeem that kairos for you. What you miss in the past, it will come back to you. And if you have already missed it and it's normal for that, God will bring a new thing to you. But we must walk as wise. You walk as foolish, I say so many times. God can throw things in front of you. You'll miss it completely. And we finish this, he says, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand the will of the Lord. Understand. Again, unwise people can't understand the will of the God, of, of the Lord. You need wisdom. And for wisdom, you need the mind to be renewed. If your mind is walking according to the patterns of this world, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. In verse 2, Paul says, Therefore, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here comes the big, big clause behind, which is, I think, even more important. The purpose statement, so that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of the Lord. You see, if a mind is not renewed, the mind cannot understand the will of the Lord. And can I just add in one more little short phrase here for you? In the New Living Translation, if you have that Bible, it says so that you can learn what is the will of the Lord or what is God's will for you. The word for you was never in the original translation, was never in the original Bible. And the moment you put there, you will know God's will for you is about you again. Don't start with you. Start with God. Every time I start with me, bad start. I go the wrong way. <laughs> but if you start with God, and you say, Lord, will you change my mind, renew my mind, transform me, so that when I see your will, capital W, I will know where I fit in. I will know where I align, and I know where I will be assigned. But it takes a wise person to understand this, you see. If you're going to walk as unwise, you can't discern you can't understand, you can't see. Because all you will be preoccupied with will be yourself. And so I pray, Lord, that you will help us to walk as those who are wise. To understand the signs of the times. To redeem the things that we have missed. And that we can walk in the purposes of God. Can I pray for you, please? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your word, Lord. Your word that is powerful. Your word that comforts us at times, provokes us at times. And yet I know Jeremiah says your word is like a hammer. And so perhaps for some of us, the word has just gone off to, to chip away something that may have been difficult to remove. Maybe the Lord is 
has been trying to get some of your attention to say, will you walk as wise? Will you not be foolish? I've got good things for you. I've got good plans for you. The future is bright if you will walk with me. Don't walk by your own intelligence. Don't walk according to the ways of the world. Remove those things because they are temporary. What you want is eternity. And so, Lord, I want to thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to always declare your word, Lord. I never take this for granted, Lord. And I know that as I speak your word, you are ready to perform your word. Your eyes are closed and I just want to make one invitation. If you're here in this church for a very first time or you've, perhaps you've visited a couple of times and you've, you've never given your life over to Jesus. And you say, yeah, I believe in the God, yes, uh, but I, I, I've never really made that step before. In our terms, we call it that you have not been saved yet. I tell you, Jesus is the only one who can save you. From ever, any situation that you are in, from any predicament that you might be struggling with right now, from any addiction that you might be battling with even right now. But most of all, He's the only one that can save you from your sin. And He will exchange that for His righteousness. That's a wise move. That's a wise move. Is there anyone here who wants to say, I want to believe in Jesus this morning? You can just quickly put up a hand. You know, there are just so many of you that have put your hands. Can I just, can I be bold to ask you, will you help me just stand so that I want to identify you. you know, this, is a, this is a precious, precious moment. You have put up your hand and you say, and you, you, you know, you're, you're making this, deci- this decision. Say, Lord, yeah, that's true. No, I've not been walking wise. Can I, can, can I just stand wherever you are? Just stand, yeah. And I'm, I'm going to just presume that you have never given over your life to Jesus. But you have done it before and you want to do it again. That's fine. And it says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Or as you believe in the heart, the mouth will confess that Jesus is Lord. He will save you. Amen. And so I'm just going to lead you a small, short prayer. The church here will guide you after this. Will you just repeat this after me? And everyone else, those who are seated, can you just pray with us also? Hallelujah. Are you ready? Okay. Lord Jesus. Let's try again. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. You are the Son of God. You came to die on the cross. You gave your life in exchange for mine. Your body was broken for me. Your blood was shed for me. And if I believe that, I receive all that. And so, Lord, I say, I believe. I believe in you, Jesus. And I want to live for you from this point on. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, come on, guys. Let's give an encouragement. Praise God.